Hey there, this is Adam Zekas with Tom Kissingbear from the IDP Read and React IDP Podcast right here at TLF. Uh, say hello, Tom. you, chap golly good gosh. Here I am. Uh, great. Uh, anyway, um, if you're interested in getting started with IDP and Dynasty Leagues or looking for a way to dominate your IDP Leagues, then our show is for you. Isn't that right, Tom? Ah, yes, my good man, and of course I bring the coveted data and insight that can only come from a monarch-loving, tea-slurping, crumpet muncher such as myself. Yep, very very cool, Tom, very cool. Um, Well, you can find our podcast right here in the DLF Family of Podcast feed on DynastyFootball.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at The Read and React. Football.com and at DLF Family, a podcast. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD playing to win by handcuffing RBs, and this is the Super Flex Super Show. You knew I had to sneak that in there. That's the that the impetus behind my entire uh, extended absence here. Super Show should have been back long before now, um, but. Uh, yeah, needed a little bit of a break uh, from a little bit of a break from Twitter, a little bit of a break from arguing, a uh, little bit of a break from hostility, and unfortunately that meant uh, taking a little bit of time away from the podcast and from uh, the the live stream Superflex Super Fridays, uh, which you can catch uh, starting again this week uh, on uh, the DLF. Uh, YouTube channel. So we'll get back to that, talk about some star sits, uh, have some rankings ready, um, which, by the way, I need to I need, I, I need to address rankings at some point. I don't know if now's the time, um, but uh, we might talk a little bit about that on, uh, on Super Friday night. Uh, just, to, just to tease that a little bit, uh, I need to talk about uh, a, a statement i made um you know which is that uh that i don't i don't like rankings i don't think they're particularly useful and that's both for you know cheat sheets for drafting and for in season i don't think that they're they're you know i don't i don't think that they're particularly useful but we'll talk about that we'll talk about the reasons why uh but you know we're we're back with the super flex super show here uh, in time for, I, I couldn't sit out, you know, the, the beginning of the, of this NFL season and this fantasy football season, I couldn't, couldn't sit out that long. You know, it's, it's time to get back to this. It's time to get some standard operating procedures going here. Uh, the return of the super flex super show SOPs. And, uh, yeah, just needed to, to, to definitely get back to that because to me, this is, this is this is one of those things that is the most useful thing that uh, that I believe the Superflex Super Show does is the in-season content, the the standard operating procedures in particular. Um, just because you know it's it's easy all off-season, non-point scoring season. Sorry, shout out Trade Addicts podcast, Russ Fisher Dynasty Outhouse. 
and Rocky Petrella, uh, uh, you know, uh, Russ really kind of coined that term. So um, definitely need to uh, shout that out for him because there's there's still a lot going on. There's a lot to talk about in the NFL's offseason. There's still a lot of work for us to do. We really kind of set the – we kind of laid the groundwork. But to me, and this this really does kind of come back to the argument that I had to have on Twitter, but, you know, the the draft is a very small part of getting, you know, of, of, of going and winning a championship, and especially in Dynasty Leagues. Obviously, part of the DynastyLeagueFootball.com family of podcast mega feed here. So our focus ends up being on Dynasty here on the Super Show. Well, you know, you, you only get one startup. <laughs> you only get one draft, one chance to build the meat and potatoes of your team, right? The core of your team for several years to come. Most of this game, and, and this is true in redraft as well, but e- even more so in dynasty, but most of this game is waivers and trades. It's in-season management. You know, so that's where the standard operating procedures just are, to me, it's so important, you know, and that's why I, you know, we, we focus on a lot of stuff here. So I'm, I'm just really kind of just setting up, uh, you know, expectations for the, for the season, what you're going to get here on the Superflex Super Show, because I think that not only is this very useful stuff, I think this is, this is one of the more complete roster management uh, episodes that you're going to get from, you know, from your, uh, uh, from your podcast, from your fantasy football podcast. Um, we talk about ads. Uh, that's, that's the big thing. Obviously we'll talk about waiver priorities, how much of your fab to spend. Um, that one, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in just a second as well, because that's not, it. it's not, it's not going to be a hard, hard and fast set of numbers, but we're going to talk about, you know, kind of ballpark, uh, where you need to be for your fab. Um, and we'll, we'll still talk about, you know, your roster build and how does that affect the way you should approach, uh, waiver wires, you know, waiver, uh, waiver claims. I'll also give you some players that you can drop every week. I'll give you some, some things to fade, some narratives to fade, some, some players and performances to fade. Uh, we'll talk about some players that you can buy low. Uh, talk about players you can sell high. And then my personal favorite, next week, this week. The players who are not high priorities on waivers this week, but they will be next week. So you get them now for cheap or free while you can. And then next week when everybody's run into the waiver wires to get these players, you already have them. So we'll do that every single week. That's that's what the standard operating procedures look like. And like I said, it's it's going to be not only is it is it, you know, the the very useful stuff. It's also delivered in a way that's going to be very useful and it's very complete. I've got 16 waiver ads for you in, you know, kind of regular size Superflex Dynasty leagues. And then a handful more of them, you know, for your for your more shallow redraft type leagues. So we've got a lot of them to talk about. Let's talk about standard operating procedures 
uh, going into week two of the NFL season and the fantasy football season. Start with some ads. And I'm just going to knock this out real quick, just kind of up front. And this is going to be something that I'll just, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I do want to say, you know, in, in those super shallow leagues, those super shallow redraft leagues, just make sure these players are rostered. Most of them probably will be, and especially in your deeper dynasty leagues, these guys are all going to be on rosters. But just make sure. And then in those shallower leagues, I, I believe that these are all players who belong on rosters, you know, almost regardless of league size and roster size. All right, so Leonard Fournette, likely RB1 in Tampa Bay going forward. Uh, it looks like Ronald Jones lost that job outright by fumbling early on. I think Leonard Fournette ends up being uh, the, the guy that you want in that offense. Sterling Shepard. A uh, big game against a very good Denver secondary, um, heavily targeted by Daniel Jones. Still seems to be the favorite target. Naheem Hines, the, that Colts offense basically is, it comes down to Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, and Zach Paschal, who we'll talk about in a minute. But those running backs were heavily involved both in the running game and in the passing game. Naheem Hines looked extremely explosive. They gave him a contract extension before week one even started, which already told you how much they they value him and uh, how much they intend to use him. And then they did it. They uh, he was he was a big part of that offense. And I think that's going to continue. Latavius Murray started taking over for Tyson Williams late in the game. Uh, against the uh, for the Baltimore Ravens against the Vegas Raiders. Uh, so watch for Latavius Murray to take on a bigger and bigger role as he gets uh, as he gets acclimated to that system. Rondale Moore, very explosive offense. They certainly spread the ball around a lot in Arizona, uh, but they were finding ways to get the ball into Rondale Moore's hands, um, designing some uh, some screens for him. And, uh, I, you know, I think that he's going to be uh, one of the featured pieces of that, uh, of that offense. And then finally, Cole Komet. I mean, that's, uh, he, he's, he's likely going to be rostered in a lot of leagues too. But, in a, you know, in those one tight end leagues where, you know, you don't have a tight end premium, it's just straight PPR, and there wasn't a whole lot of reason. You missed on Travis Kelsey. You miss, uh, missed on Darren Waller. You know, there kind of wasn't a whole lot of reason to prioritize tight end in a draft. And, you know, maybe you ended up with uh, with some of the guys that, you know, we thought were going to be a bigger part of their offense. Evan Ingram, um, who actually missed the game. But, uh, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know that you necessarily want Evan Ingram any more than you want Cole Komet. I think Cole Komet should be the priority at tight end. Uh, I, I'm getting to a point where I might even make that same argument for Noah Fant, if I'm being honest. I think that the Cole Komet looks like he's going to be a bigger part of his offense at this point. Um, what I will say for Noah Fant, though, I mean, you know, you lose Jerry Judy, that should open up some some targets for Noah Fant. Um, but yeah, just make sure those guys are rostered. Those guys, those guys all belong on on rosters. 
Obviously, all of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL belong on rosters in Superflex leagues. You know, even if you already have three quarterbacks, if you see somebody like Sam Darnold or Jame- obviously Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, you see those guys, Carson Wentz, you see those guys sitting on waivers. They belong on a roster in a Superflex league, and it's back to, you know, kind of the 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 overall principle of quarterback extreme, the ability to stream within your roster, the ability to just already have access to that guy. You don't have to fight for him on, on waivers and, you know, just kind of cherry pick matchups. All right. Here's some actual uh, guys who are likely on waivers right now in most formats, most super flex uh, most super super flex leagues, both redraft and dynasty, I think that these are guys to prioritize, and we'll even go in order here. And it starts with Taylor Hineke, the new starting quarterback for the football team, with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick going on IR. It looks like a, it sounds like a six to eight week injury, could be even longer, and it's going to depend a lot on Taylor Hineke. How does how is he playing? Is he keeping them in contention? It's Even when Ryan Fitzpatrick does get back from an injury, and this is a tough injury to come back from, by the way, especially for a 39-year-old quarterback. When he does get back, you know, there, there are a lot of reasons to keep him out of the lineup. Either Taylor Haneke is winning games, and, you, you know, it's hard to, to, to bench him, or they've been losing games, they're almost out of contention. And what's the point of throwing Ryan Fitzpatrick in there even once he's fully rehabbed? So, yeah, Taylor Hineke, uh, it, it, you know, I, he's he's going to be the, the starter for probably the remainder of this season, at least close to it, as long as he stays healthy, most likely. So I'm proposing a 50%. Uh, waiver claim on him I think that you know when you get an opportunity to get an an NFL starting quarterback in a super flex league this early in the season you have to go hard now here's what I will say though well two things first of all Taylor Hineke belongs on the roster that already had Ryan Fitzpatrick so In all reality, he should have already been on that roster, and we've talked about that throughout the offseason. Taylor Hineke should have been on roster with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick has never... He's played an entire 16-game schedule twice, I believe, in his career, and he doesn't have a very good track record as far as win-loss. The most likely scenario is we were going to see Taylor Hineke at some point. Now, I didn't think it was going to be in the first half of the first game of the season, but we were going to see him at some point. That was the most likely scenario. And so for continuity, you know, because I I, I know that handcuffing is uh, has turned into a derogatory term, and that's something that, you know, the... the uh, the data-driven analysts love to hammer you on and act like you're, you're, you know, tell you that you're drafting for with fear. But handcuffing is logistically 
a very important strategy because it gives you continuity. So, you know, where you could have... And, and I, I get the quarterback is a slightly different thing than, than running back because these backup quarterbacks weren't going to have continuity or they weren't going to have standalone value, sorry. They weren't going to have standalone value. That's fine. But the bottom line is if you had, you know, let's, let's here's another guy that I'm going to bring up a little bit later, Davis Mills, uh, the backup to Terod Taylor. So if you had Ryan Fitzpatrick and you picked up Davis Mills instead of Taylor Hineke, now, where are you at now, right? You have, you just lost Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now you've got Davis Mills on your bench. Yes, he's got upside if he, if and when he takes that job. But until then, who's starting it at your second quarterback spot? Who's starting at your super flex spot that was meant to be Ryan Fitzpatrick? You don't have that continuity because you didn't capture that entire position. Now, again, quarterback is different from running back in that, you know, most of these guys don't have standalone value. And there's not much of a path for a lot of backup quarterbacks to get on the field. It's just injury, and we're not in the business of trying to predict injuries. You know, so we're not handcuffing Pat Mahomes. We're not handcuffing Kyler Murray or Josh Allen. If they get injured, we deal with it. You know, then we go try and get their backups if we need them. But you know, there were a few quarterbacks who needed to be handcuffed. Ryan Fitzpatrick was one of them. If Taylor Hineke is still out on waivers. The whoever just lost Ryan Fitzpatrick, that's the fantasy GM who should be going hard after Taylor Hineke to the tune of 50%. For those of us who went quarterback extreme, part of the reason to do that is if one of our five, six, seven, whatever quarterbacks was Ryan Fitzpatrick, now we get to save our fab. We don't have to prioritize Taylor Hineke. Because we still have four other quarterbacks, five other quarterbacks, whatever. We've got enough quarterbacks that we're going to keep one at Superflex, even if we don't go get Taylor Hineke. So we can save our fab for running backs, which is going to be a much more fluid position throughout the season. Right? So, so to me, if you went quarterback extreme or, you know, if, if you're, if, if you, even if you had, you know, three or four quarterbacks. You didn't go full-on QBX. But you've got three or four quarterbacks. They're all still healthy. And Ryan Fitzpatrick was not one of them. I don't think you have to go quite as hard after Taylor Hineke. I would still do it, probably more to the tune of 30 to 40% of your fab. You know, but you don't have to get him. Bringing him in just increases the value of your roster and gives you that trade bait. That's all that really does. But for the person who rostered Ryan Fitzpatrick, now you have to get Taylor Hineke, and it means you have to go hard. And I think a 50% bid is 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 kind of the minimum uh, that you want to put. 
So yeah, at the end of the day, the person who has who had Ryan Fitzpatrick needs to end up with Taylor Hineke. And uh, if they, but if they don't, if they don't go hard enough, you know, you still put that bid, that thirty percent bid, maybe even forty percent bid, uh, just to you know, just to play defense a little bit. Um, and just a price and force. So Taylor Hineke, to me, is the number one priority, and it's kind of not close. And I think it takes a pretty big bid to get him. Number two is going to be Elijah Mitchell. Um, he's a top running back for me. I'm going 25% for him. Uh, he looked like he looked like he's going to be – so Raheem Mostert out for the season. We know that now with that knee injury. Trey Sermon was a healthy scratch. Jermichael Hasty was involved, particularly on passing downs, um, third and long type of situations. So I think that's probably going to be his role. He's still going to be somebody that we mention on this episode in the SOPs. But Elijah Mitchell just looks the part. He looks like the guy that was going to be heavily involved anyways and now kind of takes on the role uh, you know, left behind by Raheem Mostert. And it's too bad for I, – I love Trey Sermon. I still think Trey Sermon would be an excellent piece um, for them. I think that he, would, uh, that he would be a great option for them. And I don't think that it's a slam dunk that it won't be Trey Sermon. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Trey Sermon get the start this coming Sunday and be their leading rusher. But I think that at this point we have to acknowledge that the most likely scenario is they kept Elijah Mitchell active because that's the guy that they wanted in case Raheem Mostert and his extensive injury history <laughs> went down. You know, I think that they were comfortable with Elijah Mitchell or else I think they probably would have activated Trey Sermon. So, I, you know, I think the most likely scenario is Elijah Mitchell is the leading back going forward. So, yeah, let's put a 25% bid on him. And it's going to be close. Uh, You may or may not get him at that point. The nice thing is a lot of leagues go a little bit shallower on their bids early in the season, trying to save the money for later uh, in the season. So 25%. Is it, it, it's going to feel like a lot more here in week one, week two, than it will in, you know, week 10 or 11. And so people might not go quite as heavy for 20, uh, 25%. They might not be willing to put that quite that much on a player like Elijah Mitchell, even though you do get him for the entire season. So 25% is it's. It's not super aggressive, and that's going to be the thing here. Most of these fab numbers are not going to be super aggressive. Even Taylor Hineke at 50%, that's not real aggressive. In a true super flex league where somebody is desperate for a quarterback, they really should be getting closer to 75%. So we're going fairly conservative with these fab numbers, with these percentages, uh, but I still think that it's a good enough Uh, a good enough bid to land Elijah Mitchell at 25%. Number three is Zach Paschal, number one wide receiver for the Colts. Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, it's going to run through those two running backs, and it's Zach Paschal. 
I, th- I think that there's still room for Michael Pittman to carve out a role, but it is, it, it's just obvious that Zach Pascal is the top option for Carson Wentz. He had two touchdowns this week, caught four of his five targets. Uh, I, I'm putting a 20% bid. And the only reason that it's that low, to be honest with you, to get the number one wide receiver in, in NFL offense is because there are other options. So if you miss on Zach Pascal, there are other options here that are going to be not quite as good, but close. So Zach Pascal is the top option for me, the top priority for me at wide receiver, but I'm only going 20% because I think that I can get one of these other guys with a similar bid, it, even if I miss on Zach Pascal, and I think I'll be fine with them. So number number four is Tim Patrick, second wide receiver. Um, caught four of his, all four of his four targets, 39 yards and a touchdown, um, and was obviously the top option for Teddy Bridgewater against a very a, 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 an underrated Giants secondary. James Bradbury basically shuts down Cortland Sutton. Jerry Judy pretty involved before the injury. Uh, but Tim Patrick really had the softest coverage, and he's still going to benefit from that. He's going to start opposite Cortland Sutton. Sutton gets the top coverage. Tim Patrick's going to get the secondary coverage. You know, essentially, he's he's going to get softer coverage than he got last year. So now you get the number two wide receiver, you know, uh, basically playing the Jerry Judy role at this point. Um, and one, you know, you've got a more effective, more efficient passing game now with Teddy Bridgewater at the helm. Tim Patrick, still a starting wide receiver. So I'm going 20%. He's not the the alpha wide receiver the way Zach Pascal is in his offense, but I think you're going to get similar production from him uh, to Zach Pascal. So I'll put 20% on both of them and take whichever one I can get. Uh, number five is Zach uh, uh, Kenny Gainwell um, for the running back for the Eagles. Uh, he goes nine for 37 and a touchdown, uh, catches two or three targets for six yards, and ended up being very close to 1B to Miles Sanders 1A in an offense that ov- uh, all of a sudden looks a lot more explosive than what we thought. I'm putting a 10% fab bid in on him as the second best running back available, likely available. Uh, number six, Diami Brown, wide receiver for Washington. Um, and here's the thing. He only caught one of his four targets for negative two yards. So you might get him cheap, but he actually, he got 51 snaps, which was the second most among Washington wide receivers, ran 28 routes, uh, which is, uh, which was second most among, uh, Washington wide receivers, only behind Terry McLaurin. At this point, he's the number two in that offense. Curtis Samuel's still on IR. You're going to get several weeks of Diami Brown. The only reason that I'm putting him at a 10% fab claim is the fact that Curtis Samuel will come back later in the season. And then, you know, you you might lose Diami Brown. You'll at least lose a chunk of his production at that point. But I still think at 10% to get a you know, the wide receiver two in, in offense. And, and who knows, you know, how much uh, we already know that Taylor Henneke at quarterback hurts Terry McLaurin. 
He doesn't throw the ball down the field the way Ryan Fitzpatrick does. He keeps everything closer to the line of scrimmage. You know, Diami Brown, I think, is, uh, you know, I, I think Diami Brown actually kind of benefits from that. Number seven is Adam Troutman, uh, tight end for New Orleans. Uh, he only went three for six, 18 yards, um, while Juwan Johnson caught, <laughs> went three for three and caught two touchdowns. Adam Troutman by far outsnapped him and ran more routes. Adam Troutman is the tight end one there. Juwan Johnson just ended up being uh, the the one to get in the end zone. So let's uh, so let's prioritize Adam Troutman there. He's the top tight end available if he's available, and I'm going 10% on him as well. Same team. Tony Jones is number eight, running back for New Orleans. Um, he was the uh, the number two behind Kamara. He's the reason that Latavius Murray is no longer there. Uh, he's the third running back priority for me, and I'm going 10% on him as well. A.J. Green is number nine, wide receiver for Arizona. Uh, six targets. He only caught two of them for 25 yards, but heavily targeted. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to talk about Christian Kirk here in a few minutes, but, uh, let's just, let's, let's just say, uh, AJ Green at his, with the, the volume, with the share, the target share that he got is, uh, it's much more sustainable than what you got from Christian Kirk. 7% fab, uh, bid on, on AJ Green, I think probably gets him and gets you a startable flex option wide receiver. Uh, Gio Bernard is number 10, running back four, uh, fourth uh, fourth priority at running back. And I'm putting 5% on him. Um, it, it's primarily his involvement in the passing game in a very pass-heavy offense. Um, it's also the idea that Ronald Jones may be giving up some work here. Uh, he may have been that that doghouse is going to be uh dark and lonely for him i think um which should mean more involvement for Gio Bernard who is already uh more involved than uh than Ronald Jones in the first game of the season Carlos Hyde running back 5 he's priority 11 for me another 5% bid 5% on Gio 5% on Carlos Hyde uh, and then ended up being the leading rusher for Jacksonville. And the only reason I have him this low, the only reason I have him below Gio Bernard, below Tony Jones, is I, I, I kind of question how long Urban Meyer is going to get away with. Well, okay, first of all, I, I question how long Urban Meyer is going to stick around and do this job. This may be the shortest coaching stint in NFL history. He wants out. They're already tired of him. <laughs> this could be, the this experiment could end very quickly. But if he's going to stick around and coach this team, he's got to acknowledge that your your best offensive weapon is James Robinson. It cannot it you it can't be Carlos Hyde getting more work than James Robinson. So 5% on Carlos Hyde, 5% on Tyler Conklin. He's priority 12. And um, my second tight end, um, second tight end priority. He, uh, he got 59 snaps. 
He ran 38 routes, where Chris Herndon only got 12 snaps and ran eight routes. Tyler Conklin right now, Tyler Conklin is the number one tight end for the Minnesota Vikings and one of the top four or five options in that passing game. Uh, But speaking of options in that passing game, K.J. Osborne is priority 13 for me, wide receiver five. And uh, he catches seven of his nine targets. Nine targets, third most on the team, behind actually second most on the team, behind only Adam Thielen, out-targeted Justin Jefferson, goes for 78 yards. So, you know, is that sustainable? Of course not. Justin Jefferson is going to by far out-target K.J. Osborne on a weekly basis. But K.J. Osborne is clearly going to be involved in that passing game. Uh, So K.J. Osborne, these last four guys, starting with K.J. Osborne, I'm just putting a $1 bid. Uh, You know, I might even wait until after waivers run, see if he's still there and pick him up. So this, But this is kind of a minimum bid type of situation. Low priority on these guys, but go ahead and take a shot. Uh, Trent Sherfield is the next one for me. Uh, wide receiver six for me, priority 14 overall. Wide receiver for San Francisco, um, who ended up basically doing what we wanted Brandon Ayuk to do, what we expected Brandon Ayuk to do. He's he's kind of the, the starter opposite of Debo Samuel, it looks like, at least for the time being. And he gets the uh, the red zone target, gets the touchdown from Trey Lance, uh, yeah, it, I, he's he looks to be uh, one of the top options in that po- in that passing game. Uh, Jawan Johnson is my tight end three, but only my fifteenth priority. Despite scoring two touchdowns, he only had twelve snaps. He was only on the field for twelve snaps. That was the third most among New Orleans tight ends. <laughs> he was the third. The he had the third most snaps among New Orleans tight ends. He just happened to score two touchdowns, caught three of three targets. I don't I don't think it's sustainable, and I'm not willing to go that hard after him. I'll put a dollar on him just in case, just in case the rest of your league feels the same way, and you know nobody takes a shot. Because I would love to have you know a tight end who can who has that type of upside. Absolutely, but I'm not going to go hard after somebody who's who you know it's it is that touchdown dependent. That's way too much touchdown de- dependence for me. And then finally, tight end four priority sixteen is ja- James O'Shaughnessy for Jacksonville. Uh, he ran forty four of the forty four routes of the fifty six passing attempts for the Jacksonville Jaguars caught six of his eight targets, 48 yards. They're going to be in a lot of negative game scripts. There's going to be a lot of passing. And James O'Shaughnessy seems to be the short yardage guy, probably going to be the red zone, the big red zone target. So James O'Shaughnessy, man, like I'm almost talking myself into bumping him up. We'll leave him at 16. I think you can get him for a dollar. That's the big thing here. I think that you can get him for a minimum bid. But yeah, I'm I'm a little tempted to to push him up in priority a little bit. 
moving on to so here's a player that you can drop. I, I I'm not gonna I don't have a ton of them just yet. Uh, I think that I mean it, it depends on league size, you know, how many teams in your league, how many roster spaces do you have. So, you know, the term drop is a little tough. Do you necessarily have to drop anyone? Probably not. I still have Alex Smith rostered in some super deep dynasty super flex leagues. So yeah, nobody is a must drop. But here's a guy that you can drop if you need some roster space. It's Paris Campbell. So we just talked about Zach Paschal being the number one wide receiver in that offense. Michael Pittman has a shot to be number two. Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, Jack Doyle, all heavily involved in a very low-volume passing offense. There's just no meat on the bone for Paris Campbell. He had the sixth most targets on his team, and I think that that's going to be the trend for him the entire season. He only caught one of his three targets. It's it, When are you ever going to feel good starting Paris Campbell? And if he's not startable, just drop him and make some room for somebody else, for a running back who you're actually going to feel like you can use. A few players I want to fade. Players, narratives, performances, whatever. I'm I'm fading all four of these guys. Mark Ingram, 26 carries, 85 yards and a touchdown in what is likely to be the only positive game script that the Houston Texans are going to see all season. The one time that they run into a team worse than they are, they get to Jacksonville Jaguars, and they'll play them again later in the season. So maybe you, <laughs> so you've got another starting opportunity there for Mark Ingram. A lot of people are going to run to waivers to go pick up Mark Ingram if he's available. We thought David Johnson was the top running back. We thought Philip Lindsay was going to be 1A or 1B at the very least. And then Mark Ingram ends up being their their workhorse back in this positive game script. Let other people spend the money on them. Let other people waste the fab on Mark Ingram. Let them chase that performance. Because, again, this is the one chance that you get to start him in what's going to be a run-heavy game script. Kind of the same thing with Farrell Brown. Uh, he ends up he he ends up with a touchdown. I didn't even get his stats. I just wrote down in big caps letters that I just want nothing to do with Farrell Brown, the tight end for Houston. And uh, let me let me get his stats here real quick so I can so I can back this up a little bit. Yeah, uh, five targets uh, tied for second on the team. Caught four of them for 67 yards. Didn't get a touchdown. Danny Amendola is also a fade, by the way. Uh, He caught all five of his targets for 34 yards and does get a touchdown. But, yeah, both of those guys, Farrell Brown, Danny Amendola, I'm, I'm fading both of those. I don't think that those are going to be sustainable performances Brandon Cooks to me is the only pass catcher you really want out of that offense I think Jordan Akins is going to be a a better option going forward Nico Collins is a pretty sneaky one Um, but yeah just generally speaking that's not a good team it's not good offense they just happen to run into a team that's even worse than they are and they were able to bully 
the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were able to do what they want. Farrell Brown is not going to be as involved. Danny Amendola is not going to be involved on a weekly basis. When you start running into, you know, teams with a pro level offense, you're not going to see those guys be nearly as involved. Uh, Christian Kirk, fading Christian Kirk. People are going same thing. People are going to run to waivers to try and pick up Christian Kirk after his two touchdown performance. Let him. Let him do it. Stay out of that one. There, there's just way too much going on in that offense. Like I said earlier, Rondell Moore is going to be a lot more involved. Uh, they, they are, they're already manufacturing touches for Rondell Moore. Um, it, but that's only going to increase. AJ Green heavily targeted. DeAndre Hopkins, and then you still have, you know, the, the rushing ability of Chase Edmonds, the rushing ability of. Kyler Murray, James Connors there too, <laughs> supposedly there to to hold the football and do something. And it, it, there's just it it's we don't want to chase those touchdowns from Christian Kirk and Nelson Aguilar. Kind of the same thing. Uh, this is just a it, it's he gets the touchdown. He's he but. He's not going to be the type of guy that you're going to feel comfortable starting every single week. So anybody who wants to go put a a fab claim, a waiver claim on Nelson Aguilar based on the fact that he was the one who scored a touchdown in week one, let them do it. Let them make that mistake while you go get the guys who are actually sustainable, those guys we talked about in the ad section. Uh, Some players you can buy. All of Green Bay's stars, the Green Bay Packers stars. They get Detroit this week. It's First of all, it's entirely possible that the New Orleans Saints might just have a much better defense than what we thought they would. I, I, and I, like, I, I get my, I get it that I'm biased. Okay. <laughs> like, that's what I'm trying to say here. I, I get it. I get that you roll your eyes when I start talking about Aaron Rodgers. So I'm going to do my very best to remove my bias when it comes to Aaron Rodgers and try and give you the most, you know, the most objective analysis I can give and tell you I have no idea what the hell just happened. I really don't know. I don't think that that's a trend that you're going to see going forward. And I certainly don't think that you're going to get a repeat performance against Detroit. I think that going forward, you're going to see, even if you don't see an MVP type of season from Aaron Rodgers, I still think that he's got that in him. But objectively speaking, it's entirely possible that you don't get that for the rest of the season from him. That was the worst game of his career against New Orleans. The two interceptions, sub 200 yards passing, no touchdowns. Yeah, that it, worst game of his career, that's not going to happen again. In the exact same way that we don't chase multiple touchdown games from Christian Kirk, we also don't just assume that Aaron Rodgers is going to have the worst game of his career every single week for the next 17 weeks. 
So buy Aaron Rodgers, and by extension, you buy Devontae Adams, you buy Aaron Jones, you can even buy Robert Tunyon. Uh, Allen Robinson, Justin Fields is coming. And and you're going to see the dot go way up for Allen Robinson the very second that Justin Fields steps on the field. Marquez Callaway, Jameis Winston throws five touchdowns, and Marquez Callaway doesn't even get a piece of that and people are ready to people are ready to bail on him for that. It's it, it, he he had to go up against the best one and not the best, but one of the best shutdown cornerbacks in the league, guys. He was up against Jair Alexander. That's the one thing that Green Bay was able to do on defense was to shut down the top option. They're going to be able to do that pretty consistently. Jair Alexander is going to shut down a lot of a lot of good wide receivers. Marquez Callaway is still the top option in that offense. And then uh, Saquon Barkley on a on a snap count. Najee Harris plays every single snap offensively for the Pittsburgh Steelers and manages manages what fifty four yards something like that. I should have pulled that up as well, but you know. It, against a very good Bills defense. Saquon Barkley game scripted, Saquon Barkley on a on a snap count. Yeah, don't worry about either of those guys. Those guys are both going to be fine. Um, and buy them low if you can. If you're in a league where, you know, people are willing to panic after week 1, Saquon Barkley and Najee Harris might be as available as they'll ever be to you right now. Sell Melvin Gordon, 101 yards on 11 carries and a touchdown. He broke a 70-yard touchdown run and looked old and slow doing it, <laughs> but he still he still broke free. I'll give him that. Javante Williams had more carries at 14. He Up until that 70-yard run by Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams had, uh, had more uh, yards per carry. Javante Williams is the best back in that backfield, and it's not particularly close. So if you can sell Melvin Gordon off of his 101 yards, he's one of only five running backs in the NFL to rush for 100 yards this week. And he also gets that touchdown, and he did all of it on that 70-yard run. So if you're able to sell him as one of the only one of just five 100-yard rushers in the NFL, do it. If someone's willing to buy him as an RB1, as a top five running back, even as a top, hell, if they'll buy him as a top 24 running back, take what you can get because he's not even that. The 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 Javante Williams era is going to start much, much sooner than we thought. All right, one last segment. Next week, this week. And like I said, this uh, this these episodes are going to be much more condensed going forward. Once I get into in-season mode completely, get this dialed in, we'll get through these a lot quicker. Uh, less, less analysis, more straight to the point. Uh, here's, here's what to do. But next week, this week, is my favorite segment. I've said that before. Uh, but to me, it's, it's so useful. This is how you save fab for later in the season when there are those guys, you know, Elijah Mitchell, T- Taylor Hineke, you know, you can save fab for guys like that 
instead of spending it on, you know, some of the lower priority guys uh, like Diami Brown, like Kenneth Gainwell. You don't have to spend the fab on them if you already had them a week early. So next week, this week, we're talking about the guys who are going to be high priorities next week. You get them for next to free, free or next to free this week. And then you don't have to spend the fab next week because you already have them stashed. So at the quarterback position, to me, number one is Davis Mills. Terod Taylor looked great in an absolutely dreadful matchup. <laughs> Actually, I mean a great matchup from the perspective of the of of the Houston Texans against a dreadful Jaguars defense. But I think it's, you're going to see, once you start seeing them playing against some pro-level defenses, Terod Taylor is going to look not quite as good. And I think at some point you're going to see Davis Mills just because they want to know what they've got with Davis Mills. And once he gets in, any starting NFL quarterback, it you know, generally speaking, they're going to have that double digit point floor for you and be absolutely startable for you in great matchups. If you get Davis Mills later in the season against Jacksonville, He's going to be a starting option for you. I don't know if I don't know if you're going to end up starting him, but you know we just saw what Terod Taylor can do against that defense. Davis Mills could be in line for a monster day, and in at least that one particular game, absolutely worth the stash. Now you get him for free, you hang on and wait until he gets that role. Yeah, he's absolutely going to be worth a stash at that point. Uh, I, I put Marcus Mariota on here, and I put him kind of uh, early on in the Monday night game. <laughs> and I know that people are, after after watching that entire game, watching Derek Carr bring the Vegas Raiders back and helping them win in overtime with that touchdown pass to Zay Jones, I know that I you know I I know that people are going to disagree with this one. But David, but Derek Carr is just—he's not it. He's not the guy who's going to to get you to the playoffs. He's not gonna. I it—it's it, a tough argument to make after he beats the Baltimore Ravens. He did beat them at home, um, but that's still—that's not a game you were expected to win. And I think credit credit where it's due, right? But yeah, I. Derek Carr is not the guy to lead you to the playoffs. He's not going to be the guy who keeps you competitive in a quite possibly the toughest division in football. At some point, I think you're going to see Marcus Mariota just because this offense is going to need a spark. You can't just, you can't target Darren Waller 20 times every damn game and get away with it. An NFL offense is not going to let you keep doing that. They're going to start to game plan for that. And then what are you going to do? Who are you going to throw to Derek Carr? You don't trust Brian Edwards. Now you don't trust Willie Sneed, and rightfully so. You'll take one or two deep shots to Henry Ruggs, and that's it. Everything else has to go to Darren Waller. That's not sustainable. And they're going to look for somebody who's willing to spread the ball around and make some plays. Not to mention what we saw from Marcus Mariota on that first third down conversion of the game 
uh, when he goes for 31 yards uh, to pick up the first down and then some on the quarterback sneak. So Marcus Mariota brings an extra dimension, two extra dimensions, in fact, between the mobility and the willingness to throw to somebody not named Darren freaking Waller. And then Cam Newton, it's just a matter of time before somebody loses a starting quarterback, calls Cam Newton, and he steps in to become the new starter. I don't think that it happens just yet with Washington. I think they're perfectly fine with Taylor Hineke. But I think that the next team that you see lose their starting quarterback, I think that they're going to be calling Cam Newton with a few possible exceptions. I don't think he ends up back in New England or Carolina, but anybody else. Um, yeah, those are those are your next week, this week quarterbacks. On to running back uh, Cordero Patterson. Still has a wide receiver designation on on several platforms even though he rushes seven times for 54 yards uh he only caught he caught both of his targets for 13 yards but he's a running back he's and not only is he a running back he's the number two running back behind a very ineffective mike davis every the the argument was is it Davis or is it Wayne Gallman? The answer very well may be Cordero Patterson. And you get to start him at a wide receiver position and get those rushing yards. Larry Roundtree, 8 for 27, looks to be the backup behind Austin Eckler. Joshua Kelly was still out with an injury. I don't know that that matters. I still think that Larry Roundtree is going to end up being your number two guy. Jeremy McNichols, also number two. Uh, Darrington Evans on IR. Um, Darrington Evans was one of my absolute favorite sleepers this year, but he's on IR. Jeremy McNichols uh, ended up with 23 snaps, second most at the running back position. If you lose Derrick Henry, Jeremy Jeremy McNichols all of a sudden becomes your starter on what actually is a very good offense, believe it or not. I know they didn't play that way in week one. <laughs> That's going to be an offense that'll that'll get right. Jeremy McNichols could be a very big piece of that if uh, Derrick Henry at any point is unavailable. Uh, Matt Breda, uh, four carries. He only got four yards. But he was the number two running back for the Bills with Zach Moss inactive. Devin Singletary suffers an injury early on. I mean, they they were definitely lining up Isaiah McKenzie in the backfield quite a bit. But Matt Breda is in line to be uh the next guy up when uh when they're running an actual you know power formation power running formation uh very good pass catcher out of the backfield as well so and then Jamichael Hasty who again kind of talked about him a little bit at it you know early on and very involved in the passing game particularly obvious passing downs. He was the one on the field. I still think Elijah Mitchell is the guy you want. Trey Sermon is kind of the dark horse at this point. I don't think Jermichael Ch- Hasty's role changes either way. Those are your early down, goal line, you know, workhorse type running back guys. Those are your feature backs. One of those two is a feature back. And Jermichael Hasty is going to have the exact same role regardless of who that guy is. 
on to wide receivers. Trinity Benson is my only wide receiver at the moment. Second highest targeted wide receiver. He only caught three of the six for 19 yards. The, that offense was primarily the two running backs, Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift, and then TJ Hawkinson. It was primarily those guys, um, even in the passing game. But Trinity Benson has really gotten the attention of every quarterback that he's had from through the preseason and into now into the regular season in Detroit with uh, with Jared Goff at, at the helm. And then a tight end, Will Disley. Uh, he ends up with the same number of snaps and targets as Gerald Everett. Goes for 37 yards, caught all three of his targets. Gerald Everett got the touchdown. But Will Disley still looks to be the guy who has the familiarity with Russell Wilson. He seems like uh, he's going to be the guy that's got Russell Wilson's attention. So while everybody's trying to get a hold of Gerald Everett after the touchdown, go get Will Disley because that's the guy that Russell Wilson is really looking for. So that'll do it for next week. This week, that'll do it for standard operating procedures going into week two. Nothing left for you to do but go execute. So let's wrap it up there. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcasts Mega Feed. Do us a huge favor and rate and review the show. The Superflex Super Show helps us to get out to more people, involve more people in the conversation so that we can hit on the topics that are the most useful to you, our super friends. You can also catch me live on YouTube on the DLF channel, live on YouTube, Periscope, and Facebook Live every Friday night. Uh, Well, not every Friday night. (laughs) took the last two weeks off. Back at it this week and then every week from then on uh, for Superflex Super Friday night. So definitely join the the live chat where we answer all of your questions. Start, sit, trades, whatever you got, we're here for it. Uh, get at us on Twitter at Superflex Show. Even better though, just get to me individually at Superflex Dude. I'm so much better at actually checking that one. Uh, this episode was dedicated in loving memory to James the Brain Catullus. Almost a year to the day at this point. We're about a week short of the day that I lost my dear friend, my co-host, and uh, think about him every single day. Uh, through the twists and turns and ups and downs, peaks and valleys of this journey. I would give anything to have James the Brain here with me. So every single, everything I do is dedicated in loving memory to James the Brain. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. (laughs) 